We're making our way into the holiday season now, and sports are continuing to happen all around us and go wild. The World Cup final is on Sunday. The NBA continues to chug along in this pre-Christmas matchup phase. The NFL playoffs are around the corner. Lots of news is breaking all the time, and we are here for it at Screaming from the Sidelines. Thank you for tuning in once again. If you haven't already, please take a moment to like, share, rate, subscribe, all that fun stuff. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, maybe even Amazon Podcasts, all the major platforms, plus YouTube for the live video versions. You can even find an account on TikTok at screaming.podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Greg O. Silver. Wow, lot to get to. And let's start with something rather serious, but uh, really needs to be addressed on the show because I want to pay my respects to Grant Wall, the American soccer journalist who tragically passed away at the age of 49 while covering the World Cup in Qatar. His cause of death was a ruptured aortic aneurysm, and his wife, Dr. Celine Gounder, confirmed that there was nothing suspicious about his passing, just an incredibly unfortunate and tragic event for someone who was highly accomplished and respected in his field. I'm thinking of his family during this difficult holiday season and just want to praise the work he has done in the world of soccer. In slightly more positive news, though, Brittany Griner made her way home. This is the first time uh, I've recorded a podcast since this news broke. So after 294 days, Brittany Griner was finally released from prison in Russia, and she was thankfully made it home safely. Griner released a statement on social media this morning thanking President Biden, her legal team in Russia, her family and her WNBA family. We haven't discussed the WNBA in a while on this show, but I do want to echo what so many have said and praise the league for continuing to speak up when Griner was detained. The way in which they got loud and continued to stay loud is truly inspiring, and I commend all of those pro athletes for using their platform to speak up when it was needed the most. I don't want to focus as much on some of the negative commentary surrounding the exchange between the U.S. and Russian governments, but I would like to add that I recognize the importance of bringing home Paul Whelan and other Americans who have been detained overseas. We are incredibly thankful to have Brittany Griner back home, and there is more work to be done. I look forward to seeing her play in a Mercury uniform this upcoming season. So we did... Talk about the World Cup with Grant Wall. The tournament is almost over. I say it every time I talk about it. It's an oddly scheduled tournament. I'm so used to this summer, every four-year cycle. And now we are here in the winter. France versus Argentina. Argentina made it to the final in 2014. Lost to Germany. And France won the whole thing in 2018. Now we got France looking to repeat and Argentina trying to get that one elusive title for Messi, one of the all-time greats. And this is really interesting, actually. I wanted to talk about this 
on the show as a fun little way to get the brains going. FanDuel tweeted out, someone explain Mbappe versus Messi to me in NFL terms. Which kind of made me think, you know, I was thinking like, oh, maybe Patrick Mahomes versus uh, like Peyton Manning before he won that one Super Bowl. Let's talk about the NBA though, because this is a hoops podcast. Messi is a rare case of having won so much, but he's never won this specific kind of title. And it's likely his last chance to win a World Cup for Argentina, bringing one back to South America. Mbappe came in and has been immediately great. He's already won a World Cup. He is already climbing up to the top of all-time goals in the World Cup, and he is my age, which is just insane. Uh, He continues to be a problem every single second he's out on the pitch. So it's hard for me to put this into NBA terms. I had to think about it a lot. And I feel like the Mbappe comparison is challenging because he's really like Magic Johnson and that he came into the league, was immediately great, and won. But if we're talking about more of a modern-day comparison, I'm going to go with Luka Doncic versus Kevin Durant. And this is my reasoning why. I know that Luka hasn't won at the level of Kylian Mbappe, but his immediate impact on his team and the way he is elevated in high-stakes situations resembles something special. He tore apart the top-seeded Suns last playoffs in that infamous Game 7, and his team relies on him for so much offense. Now, the reason I'm saying Kevin Durant is because he has done his fair share of winnings. He is one of the most special scorers we've ever seen in basketball, but he has yet to win a championship away from Golden State. So there's still kind of this different sort of title he's chasing. There's still this thing that fans and critics can point to. And I know Kevin Durant's a two-time finals MVP, uh, just one of the absolute greatest players. He is a champion, there's no doubt about it. But if there's this kind of elusive thing that's still out there, or any sort of asterisk or flaw that people might point to, I thought he was a good champion. A veteran, one of the all-time greats, and still sort of has something hanging over his head. I actually think that Steph Curry last year, before he captured his finals MVP, was a much more on-par comparison, but I'll go with Kevin Durant now that history has changed. But I don't know. Let me know if you guys think of better ones. Uh, It's tough to come up with an Mbappe NBA comparison. Other news in the week. Well, I had a nice experience at the Moda Center. I made a trip up to Portland and saw the Trailblazers take on the Timberwolves this last Monday night. But before I get there, this seems like a great time to tell you about Bet Online. BetOnline.ag is the spot to place all your bets. They give you a generous 50% welcome bonus and a fantastic reward for referring your friends. I managed to get a couple of my friends on Bet Online this week, and it's a win win situation for the group. We're all reaping the benefits. One man in particular is having the best time looking at parlays, props, spreads, and even the old-fashioned traditional money line. Go to betonline.ag to start today and ask around for anyone who may be able to refer you so that you can do the same and pay it forward. And the best part is you get to reap some rewards. Back to the Moda Center. 
on this Monday night. The Timberwolves offense showed some promise thanks to 23 points from D'Angelo Russell, but they were no match for the newly recovered Damian Lillard, who tied his own regular season franchise record in the third quarter. He had 11 three-pointers made. He was taken out of the game early, so he did not get to break it. But to be fair, he had a pair of really good looks that just didn't fall. Now, why do I say regular season? Well, that's because the record holder for most threes made in a playoff game is, wait for it, Damian Lillard with 12 back in 2021. He broke Klay Thompson's 11 from 2016. So Dame was doing his thing all night. The Blazers looked fun. They looked loose. They really ran away with this thing beginning in the third quarter. And I had a new appreciation for them after my most recent episode with Stephen Vaughn, host of the Believe in Blazers podcast, and learning about some of his perceptions and expectations for this team as they've been a pleasant surprise to start the year. But that's not to say they haven't had their ups and downs. Currently, they are playing Game 2 in Dallas as part of their six-game road trip. So I hope to make my way back to the Moda Center before the season ends, but if not, I had a wonderful experience. I highly recommend the venue to any of you passionate fans. And I got to say, I might have snuck down to the lower level at some point. Don't want to completely call myself out there, but when we were at the top, way up in the nosebleeds, Not such a bad view up there. I really got to say, the last two nosebleed experiences I've had, a San Jose Sharks game and this Portland Trailblazers game, I was pleasantly surprised. And maybe I'm just that psycho for sports, but I have no issue with it. Let's discuss some NBA in general. I, I have this section labeled as weird teams. And not that everyone is super weird. I guess we'll talk about the champs because they've had quite the week. The Golden State Warriors continue to struggle on the road. There is no way around it, and that will not be made any easier by the shoulder injury to Steph Curry. So the Dubs did get a nice win in an NBA Finals rematch versus Boston when they were back at home, but we're only seeing glimpses of championship-level basketball so far this year. When they go on the road... It's a new team, and sometimes it's only Curry who really elevates it to that next level. Now, bad news for the Dubs. He suffered a left shoulder subluxation in Wednesday's loss to the Pacers, and he will miss a few weeks. No clear timetable is provided right now. He will be reevaluated eventually. Now, the Warriors should get Andrew Wiggins back. He's cleared to start practicing and getting some more normal reps in, but... Over the last three seasons, the Dubs are 10-20 and without Curry, and they are especially leaning on him so far this year. Their offensive rating with him on the floor is 118.9, which is the best in the NBA. When he's off the floor, it's 99.9, which is not only a good radio station in Santa Barbara, it's also the worst offensive rating in the league. In fact, it's the worst rating... This league has seen in years. So the Warriors can't really replace him. And they're going to try to stay afloat while he's out. But losing Steph Curry has a monumental impact on this team. And unlike some of the past years, they don't have the luxury 
of having kind of a slump stretch because they're already slightly below 500 and they're playing in Philadelphia right now, which I mean, the Sixers have been weird and inconsistent, but they have capabilities of lockdown defense and the Warriors struggled in Philly last year when they played. Uh, Matisse Steibel had an amazing game and Steph Curry was not on that night. So that's just one example. Um, Look, obviously I'm sad, but the real bummer is that he's going to miss the Christmas showdown with the Grizzlies. And man, I just feel like with Curry out there, it would have been one crazy and exciting contest. I also had this hunch that Steph Curry was going to go berserk on Christmas. Like, it was just the next thing on his checklist to knock off because historically speaking, he hasn't been great on Christmas compared to his usual self. Last year was the first time he broke 20 points when they faced the Suns. He's never shot above 33% from three, and he's never shot above 42% overall. And he's been putting up wild numbers this season for the most part. So I felt like in front of the home crowd, coming off a championship, a finals MVP, this newly revived Steph Curry where no one really has anything to say against him at this point, It just might have been the one we saw on Christmas, but unfortunately, we will have to wait until at least next year. Uh, Some fun Christmas facts for you. The most points scored in a Christmas game all time is 60 by Bernard King back in 1984. This century, though, take a guess. I'll give you a second. The answer is... Tracy McGrady, back in 2002, he had 46 points, so we have not seen anybody break the 50 mark on Christmas Day in the NBA in this 21st century. And I think that's a nice transition to discuss the Grizzlies, actually, the team the Warriors will play on Christmas, because meanwhile, they are looking legit. Coming into this week, they were 10th in offensive rating and 6th in defensive rating. They're also at the top of the Western Conference with a 19-9 record. This is two years in a row now where they start slow on defense and then quickly recover. They are on a seven-game win streak as we round the corner into the holidays. And look, I know this year was a little bit different with Jaron Jackson Jr. being injured and missing the start. But the Grizzlies were seeing a repeat of what they do. And this is not a team that I would want to face in the playoffs whatsoever. I think they are young, cocky, gritty, uh, and not gritty as in the dance that John Morant likes to do all the time on the court. I'm talking gritty as in they can grind out ugly wins. They also can beat you in flashy ways with their showstopper of a star. But yeah, it was a tough out for the Warriors last year. I think this year the Grizzlies feel like they'll have something to prove. They don't seem scared of anybody, and they're not a perfect team, but playoff basketball is a little different. I know we are about four months away from reaching that point, but I just want to plant this seed now. That's a team I'm looking forward to. Uh, The Pelicans are another. I assume both of them will get two of those eight playoff spots. Let's discuss the Atlanta Hawks, because that's a team that may not make the playoffs. They are so weird. Like, I might start doing NBA weird team power rankings, and if I was to do that right now, 
I think the Hawks and 76ers would probably be my top two. I don't necessarily know what order that would be. I mean, missing DeJounte Murray doesn't help, but I'm very perplexed by this team as a whole. They're 3-8 and eight since Thanksgiving. They've lost to the Rockets, Thunder, Knicks, and injured Heat. So not exactly the greatest on paper. Trey Young is not shooting it efficiently, and it's been an extended slump. John Collins has been struggling to get healthy. I feel like we still see flashes of a team that's capable of making a run like they did two years ago. Like, they beat the Bucks without Trey Young. They beat the Nuggets. They've had some really nice wins. They're kind of capable of making you turn your heads. I think sometimes they are a really high-value team in betting, but there's no real science or data that necessarily backs it up. I think it's more just a hunch of when the Hawks are going to show up. And we're going to see how they weather the storm without DeJounte Murray, who will be out a little longer. When he comes back, maybe it's a time for them to turn the corner. But right now, they're kind of messy. They're inconsistent. They're weird. They're inefficient. And they're not really getting a lot of points from beyond the arc, which is not the most encouraging statistic when you have the backcourt that you have. Anyway, that's all I got really on the Hawks, just kind of a team that I have been incredibly confused by, but one that I'm also super interested in and seeing where they will go. Uh, The Phoenix Suns are a mess, and I know I came out after the first week and said that I may have been a little hard on them. They weren't necessarily toast. They had a really good start to the year. They've been fantastic on their home floor. But something about them right now just is showing a lot of vulnerability. They beat the Clippers on Thursday night, but they're still 2-6 in their last eight games. They're also 2-6 against the spread for my fellow betters. So they're really skidding after a strong start. They clearly do miss Cam Johnson, and that's a legitimate injury to be concerned about. And the other thing, though, is I'm not a hardcore Chris Paul hater. But he's not exactly making the Suns better when he's on the floor. And that is something that is the opposite of his entire career, really. I mean, Chris Paul has been a positive presence for whatever team he's playing for, especially when he's on the floor. He's one of the great point guards of his era. Uh, Some would say all time, for sure. I know everyone wants to throw the ring argument in his face. Definitely one of the better point guards I have ever seen. I think what he did with the Thunder a couple of years ago to get them into the playoffs as a five seed is one of the most underappreciated achievements in recent NBA history. But right now at the age of 37, it's looking iffy in Phoenix. Chris Paul began the year with one of the best plus minus marks in the NBA, but since coming back from injury, it has not been that whatsoever. He's in the negative category in four of his last six outings And the two positives, I think, were plus three and plus seven. So barely over that line, while the minuses have been in the double digits. I think minus 28 in that disaster against the Celtics. On top of that, there's all this conflict with him elbowing Jose Alvarado. And the Pelicans look like they own Phoenix for the moment. Quick note on Zion Williamson doing a windmill dunk with the clock expiring, by the way. I think the Suns had a right to be annoyed. But I'm not necessarily upset that Zion did it. If these teams meet again in the playoffs, I am very concerned for Phoenix. When it's good, 
it's really good for them. But when things start turning against them, it has the potential to go south very quickly. And playoffs, you need to overcome some adversity. And sure, a lot of championship teams have things go their way for the most part. But for Phoenix, I am very worried if even just one little thing starts going wrong, especially with the lack of consistency we're seeing from Chris Paul at his age of 37. Let's take a break on all of that because the season is still young as much as everyone likes to react and live in the moment. And I want to share some betting trends and stats. I'm not going to provide some bets on this episode. For that, you can find me on Twitter. But I'm recording this at night. The spreads aren't necessarily set. Certainly the injury reports are not all the way finalized for tomorrow's games. So I don't think it was the most productive thing to be giving you bets on spreads that might change as circumstances will certainly change. Here's some fun nuggets for you. And yes, pun intended, because the Denver Nuggets have the 27th ranked defense, which is not good. That's, you know, there's 30 teams in the NBA. So if you want to compete for a championship, usually we're thinking top 10, not bottom four. But here's the thing. They are actually excellent in the clutch. They are number one in the last five minutes of games within five points. So Denver has some weird things going on there. I can't imagine this will necessarily get worse for them as Jamal Murray continues to round into form. Jokic, there's nothing new to really say on him, but uh, I don't know. Denver is weird. I think they're a very well-coached team. I think that they should have improved defense at some point. We've seen uh, the Sixers drastically improve their defense at some point in the year already. We saw the Brooklyn Nets go from abysmal to very stable, and it's proved to win them a lot of games. So I'm not saying that the Denver Nuggets are a complete disaster, but this very interesting to see the way they can give up on defense and be excellent in the clutch. Don't take their bad defense either as a lock on over-unders because I think the over has hit 15 out of 29 times with them. So it's about 50-50 on the over-under. That's actually a perfect transition into my next fact. Beware of the boomerang. It's no secret that I find over-unders the most difficult and therefore the most frustrating bets to place, but they went from the over hitting 49% of the time this season, now up to 53%. But as Jerry Seinfeld once famously said, things have a way of evening out. And I think the over-under is the perfect illustration of even Steven. It's really hard to predict. Uh, the odds makers on those do a fantastic job. So beware of falling in love with trends. It often comes down to a couple of possessions on whether your over or under is going to hit. I just wanted to share that right now we're going through an overswing. And don't get too eager because it's probably going to swing back the other way sooner rather than later. Let's talk about wearing teams out. So this was great. Uh, Cleaning the glass has a stat called points plus uh, per possession, and it evaluates how many points the team added per 100 possessions by pushing the ball in transition. So the top five teams in that category are the Grizzlies, the Pacers, 
the Nuggets, the Spurs, and the Raptors. And nearly all of them are nearly 60% against the spread at home. So there's a clear advantage on your home floor if you're the type of team that pushes the pace and gets extra possessions. Now, like anything with betting, it's not a direct science, but this is a trend that we're starting to see. Now, conversely, the bottom five teams in this category are the Detroit Pistons, the Timberwolves, the Hornets, Bucks, and Mavericks. And all of them are just around 40% against the spread at home. I need to double check that because Milwaukee had such a hot start, but I know the others have certainly struggled to protect their home floor. Really interesting one to look at, pushing the ball in transition combined with home court. I already sent this article along to a few people who I know are going to go crazy for it, and it's just something I really wanted to share on the show today. Let's continue with the over-under. It is not a law by any means, but I do want to share my top three teams for each. Right now, the top three teams to bet the over-on are the Thunder Mavericks and Lakers. They are all at about a 60% of their games hitting the over. Now, the top three teams to go bet the under on continue to be the LA Clippers, although I do want to say beware of them right now and their unders. They have a bottom five offense, but now that their stars are starting to play and they're getting healthier, I think that this could be a little bit more of a trap. So, as they're rounding into form, that might be a great chance to capitalize on some uh, low-valued numbers and hit the over. If you're seeing numbers in like the 210s, then that might be a chance. Like the low 210s or high 20s for a total. Good chance for the Clippers. Uh, sorry for my little side note. The top three teams to go bet the under on are the Clippers, the Cavaliers, and the Nets. And what do all these teams have in common? Well, they either started with a great defense and have kept it up, or they have turned their defense around really quickly to a point where Vegas needed time to adjust. The Nets is the perfect example, having the worst defense in the league. It was really them and the Warriors at the beginning of the season, and now they have really put things together. A tremendous job by Jock Vaughn as he took over for Steve Nash early in the season and getting this team to just go out and play basketball. So that's really all we have got. We did a little World Cup preview. We did a congratulations to Brittany Griner, talked about my experience at the Moda Center and the Portland Trailblazers, and then we covered some of the weird or relevant teams that we're experiencing right now. More to come, but... I will tweet my bets for tomorrow's slate of games, and probably throughout the week I try to do it around three times or so, usually on game-heavy days. And I really appreciate some of the engagement I'm starting to receive on Twitter with hoops-related content. It's always great to collaborate with other hosts. It's been great collaborating with other fans and people listening to the show. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Greg O Silver, or just search Greg Silver, and hopefully. That one comes up, and we should have a really awesome slate of episodes coming up. So just stay tuned, and happy holidays to you all. Stay safe. Spend time with the people you love. Check in on your friends. Be kind to others. And if you do so in a positive way, keep screaming for your teams and your bets. Talk soon.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.